0: Welcome to The Stoic Lawyer. My name is Kristen.
1: And I'm Brian. Welcome back to the next, the latest episode of The Stoic Otter. Excuse me, The Stoic Lawyer.
0: How is that otter, Brian? I know you've been—I know you've been following his life very closely since closely. we last spoke.
1: I've even looked into plane tickets to get out to the west coast
0: to go check on him, see her. Her? Oh, it's a her.
1: Interesting. He's a her. That—that's what they say. I mean, she was born in captivity, so I think they know.
0: Does she have a name?
1: No. And actually, that's something that was discussed in the last article I read. Um, anyway, she's still free, apparently. Um, a lot of people. There's a growing movement to name her. Because this eight forty one thing sounds
0: I think they should let you name her.
1: I'd love to I'd love to have some input. I'm thinking it through. Um I, I read a couple names that'd been proposed and they're too I don't know, kind of know, like esoteric and I was thinking something like Marcia or uh mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway. Sure. Other's still free. Let's go water.
0: Um, any any other? I mean, just still out there, still uh, still, stealing yeah, still
1: stealing surfboards and uh, living her best life. I like it.
0: Well, that's great news. Mm-hmm. We will continue to follow that for updates. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, guys. So for the next several episodes, I think we're going to. I don't think I know because we decided it this morning. Are going? We're going to focus on the excerpts from Epictetus' discourses that make up the Enchiridion, and we're actually pulling these excerpts from a book. Or a compilation called The Art of Living, The Classical Manual on Virtue, Happiness, and Effectiveness, Epictetus, A New Interpretation by Sharon LaBelle. Um, now Brian's eyeing me skeptically. No, I'm just okay. waiting for what's next. Okay, good. I'm all ears. I'm glad you're excited. That I'm was all, a very um, a very interested face. Okay, so let's do a quick refresher on Epictetus. I know we've talked about him some over the course of the podcast, um I'll do a little a little refresher that's that's found in the book. I'm not going to read the whole thing cuz it's a few pages long. Um but at the beginning of the book, this section is titled The Spirit of Epictetus. Um Epictetus essentially spent his life asking two questions. How do I live a happy fulfilling life and how can I be a good person? So those were those were the two questions um that the book calls his single-minded passion. Um he was born a slave around 55 AD in the Eastern outreaches of the Roman Empire. Um, his master was actually the administrative secretary to Nero. Um, and uh, Nero's uh, administrative secretary was so impressed with him that he sent him to Rome to study uh, with Masanius Rufus. Hmm. Right? And that's someone, Brian, that you've mentioned before.
1: Yeah, I think he's one of the, when you, when you look at um, the literature about Stoic philosophy, he's one of the four that I believe we have... Um, writings from or actually know some teachings yeah this
0: this excerpt says that um, rufus's works actually survived in greek um, and that some of his works included arguments in favor of equal education for women um, and against the sexual double standard in marriage Um, epictetus became rufus's most acclaimed student and eventually he was freed from slavery Epictetus then taught in Rome until ninety four A.D. when the emperor banished him from Rome. Uh, at the time, uh, the emperor was threatened by the growing influence of philosophers. So,
1: is that Nero? What does it say?
0: It does not say, but I think based on this timeline, eh? I don't know. That's quite a bit later. Okay. Um. So I'm not sure. We'll we'll, we'll check on that and get back to you. I, I
1: I just don't remember.
0: Oh no, I'm sorry. It's um. Dimethian.
1: Oh. Okay.
0: Yep. Not Nero. He was banished from Rome, and he spent the rest of his life in exile in Necropolis, which is on the northwest coast of Greece. Uh, there he established a philosophical school, and among his most distinguished students was a Stoic we have talked about probably the most on the podcast, the young Marcus Aurelius Antonius.
1: I was going to guess Autor forty one. so I'm glad you...
0: You're welcome for clearing that up for you. Um, who did Marcus Aurelius Antonius go on to be, Brian?
1: Uh, emperor
0: of Of the roman empire and he wrote meditations which is probably the uh text we've quoted the most on the podcast um so epictetus believes that the primary job of philosophy is to help ordinary people effectively meet everyday challenges of life and to deal with life's inevitable major losses and disappointments uh and griefs this this intro section on the spirit of Epictetus also talks about how this particular compilation is kind of a blend of Eastern and Western uh, philosophy. And I kind of, I find this interesting, um, this paragraph about that. It says an unexpectedly East West flavor enlivens the art of living. On the one hand, its style is irrefutably Western. It exalts reason and is full of stirred, no nonsense, moral directives. On the other hand, a soft Easterly wind seems to blow through Epictetus's discussions of the nature of the universe, his depiction of ultimate reality, for instance, which he equates with nature itself, is remarkably fluid and elusive, startlingly reminiscent of the Tao. So I think that's that's interesting. So as we move through this, we'll see if we agree uh, with 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 it being a uh, Western style with a soft easterly wind.
1: I like that description. Um, and I think I don't know if we mentioned it on here, but um, I've got a friend who is very knowledgeable on things of philosophy. And I think he's even taught philosophy. And he said that there would have been actual interaction between not these necessarily these philosophers specifically, but that that a lot of the information from the East and those philosophies would have been shared with um Greeks and Romans and i can't re- I can't remember the timeline or geographically exactly why i I think I need him to clear that up for me, but maybe
0: we should have him we, on as a guest
1: we I' have asked, and he said he would like to do so, so oh, we will, well, excellent. we will do that, and this reminds me of the conversation the episode we had with uh, uh re- Charlotte well, Charlotte and Rebecca
0: yeah, actually indeed they both they both, both talked about Buddhism
1: they both mentioned that and mm-hmm. how they saw the Easternness in this or the westernness in that or however you want to put it, yeah,.
0: So, yeah. Um, The the introduction uh, goes on to talk about, for Epictetus, a happy life um, and a virtuous life are synonymous. Happiness and personal fulfillment are the natural consequences of doing the right thing. He was less concerned with seeking to understand the world uh, than with identifying the specific steps to take in the pursuit of moral excellence. And it also has a quote here that I have seen um, in many different contexts. Uh, which is um, moral progress over the seeking of moral perfection, mm-hmm. and I think we see that in a lot of contexts. Not not those exact words, but I frequently just see progress over perfection, which right. is is um,
1: a really helpful. But let's talk about the word happiness there for a minute, um, and I'm not speaking with any particular um, necessarily extensive academic knowledge on this, but I think you know Aristotle's word was often. Contentedness, mm-hmm. and that happiness was was sort of a different different animal, and um, I just wonder how they're using it here and what the translation is. And I, my, my Latin is limited, my Greek is non-existent, but but your French is coming along nicely. I'm doing well. Yeah, in case the otter speaks French, we don't know. It could be just a communication barrier. We're looking into it, um, and. For me, happiness is not really a goal.
0: Not in the colloquial way it is used in the West now.
1: Right, yeah. And I think, and it has been, but I think the more I look, traditionally have looked for happiness and sought happiness, the more frustrated I have been.
0: The more elusive it tends to
1: be. Well, and yeah, and it's, and the definition changes. And then it's, uh, so I think, uh, anyway, I just want to. Well, you know, to to, to your point. Happy,
0: yeah. Well, to your point. On the very next page, it says the point is not to perform good deeds to win favor with the gods or the admiration of others, but to achieve inner serenity and thus enduring personal freedom. So, I think that gives us insight yeah. into how they are using the word happiness as Epictetus's goal.
1: Inner serenity, which I think is, and is thus con- enduring <laughs>
0: personal freedom,
1: which I think is consistent with the Aristotelian um, sort of um, definition mm-hmm. and exploration. There, yeah.
0: Uh, He goes on to say his prescription for the good life centered on three main themes, mastering your desires, performing your duties and learning to think clearly about yourself and your relations within the larger community of humanity. Um, Epictetus recognized that everyday life is fraught with difficulties of varying degree. He spent his life outlining the path to happiness, fulfillment and tranquility, no matter what one's circumstances happen to be. His teachings, when freed of their ancient cultural trappings, have an uncanny, uncanny, excuse me, contemporary relevance. At times, his philosophy sounds like the best of contemporary psychology. Uh, then mentions the serenity prayer, which we have also mentioned many mm-hmm. times on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference, uh, which is, of course, uh, from the recovery movement, or, or what the phrasing used here is epitomizes the recovery movement. Um, And it closes out the um, spirit of Epictetus introduction by saying, uh, in other important ways, Epictetus is very traditional and uncontemporary. Whereas our society practically, if not always explicitly, regards personal achievement, wealth and power and fame as desirable and admirable, Epictetus views these as incidental and irrelevant to true happiness. What matters most is the sort of person you are becoming, what sort of life you are living. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the kind of the beginning. It's after the prologue. Um, and then, uh, there's a quote, first say to yourself what you would be, then do what you have to do. And then it begins the manual. And we know the manual is the ingredient, the yes. excerpts from discourses.
1: Read that line again, go back to the decide what, was what. Sure.
0: First say to yourself what you would be, mm-hmm. then do what you have to do.
1: Yeah, I think Marcus Aurelius uh, has a... Has a very similar Very part. similar, I'm sure. Obviously, he would have gotten it from Epictetus. But <clears throat> it reminds me of a line from a song um, I was listening to in the car with my kids. Um, the line in the song is, decide what to be and go be it. Yeah. And um, very I he- similar. I heard it and immediately thought of this. And so I had my son get on some social media platform. Wouldn't know if I heard it and don't know anything about those. And contact the band to ask if the, the, did they answer him no no so we may never know i don't know what the point of that story was except that i heard it in in a in um, a
0: contemporary song
1: in a, yes exactly
0: um so our plan from here and, and this we will of course covered some of these excerpts uh when we've read directly from discourses in the past uh, but i think our plan now is to go through uh, each episode one of the entries Uh, in the Art of Living, in the manual uh, from Discourses. Uh, So today, um, we're going to start with know what you can control and what you can't. And of course, anything, uh, any compilation of any kind of Epictetus' teaching should start with this, right? It is the infamous or famous or just frequently referenced by Brian dichotomy of control um, concept, and it's a longer entry, but but I'm going to go ahead and read it because it is kind of the entire foundation, right? So I'm going to read this excerpt and then we'll talk about it just a little bit. Happiness and freedom begin with a clear understanding of one principle. Some things are within our control and some things are not. It is only after you have faced up to this fundamental rule and learned to distinguish between what you can and can't control that inner tranquility and outer effectiveness become possible. Within our control are our own opinions aspirations, desires, and the things that repel us. These areas are quite rightly our concern because they are directly subject to our influence. We always have a choice about the contents and character of our inner lives. Outside our control, however, are things such as what kind of body we have, whether we are born into wealth or strike it rich, how we are regarded by others and our status in society. We must remember that those things are externals and are therefore not our concern. Trying to control or to change what we, can, what we can't only results in torment. Remember, the things within our power are naturally at our disposal, free from any restraint or hindrance. But those things outside our power are weak, dependent, or determined by the whims and actions of others. Remember, too, that if you think you have free reign over things that are natural, naturally beyond your control, or if you attempt to adopt the affairs of others as your own, your pursuits will be thwarted and you will become a frustrated, anxious, and fault-finding person. Mm-hmm. I really love that last line.
1: Yeah, it. I, I've told you, it reminds me of letters to the editor, whatever the, or or comments. I, I like comments on news stories. Yeah. yeah, I used to even read, editorials to an extent. I used to read them, and I did. And I don't know why. and I used to get frustrated by a lot of them, or or it was the or op- it was a yeah. They're exactly right, and they're wrong, and they're smart, and they're dumb, and they're. And then at some point, I kind of had the revelation, like. One, this is frustrating me, so I don't know why I'm doing this to myself. Um, and then it was sort of like, well, but why are people posting? And I, I think it's, yeah, a disple- generally speaking, you know, often a displeasure of others' opinions and actions. But I think it's doing the same thing to them. I think, I, you know, a lot of people are upset that others aren't behaving the way they would want, they think they should behave, or they're behaving in a way that uh, um, they disapprove of. And I guess people would say, well, I want people to I want people to share my opinion. But, you put the political polarization aside for a minute, there are lots of different opinions in the world on any issue we can think of. You know, and the idea that firing out some usually angry and judgmental words, I don't know if people aren't are necessarily looking at it that way, but often it's a belittling the other side, these ad hominem attacks, even if they're sort of, uh, you know... Uh, Thinly-veiled, which to me is kind of worse, actually, I think. Uh, I don't know. It just it it feels like a lot of people, it's their source of, of what am I trying to say, expression, but really what it is, it's the root of it is. It's
0: the frustration that they can't control the opinion of others. Yeah,
1: I can't control what yeah. other people think, and so I'm going to tell them what I think. So and, I'm
0: going to tell them what they should think because they're and, wrong. Or how
1: they should act, or how they, yeah. And, and I guess part of it is in um, our line of work, you know, my my line, more specifically, there are lots of policy decisions to be made, and so you know I will often see articles, hear opinions about things should be done this way, and I don't know what's right. I mean, I, you know, I I get one vote like everybody else, and um,
0: really, you get one.
1: I get one. I know for now, <laughs> for now, and um, you know, so I have I have opinions, and some of them are are informed by my personal experiences, but. Yeah it's, yeah, it's, I don't know, am I making sense? I, I don't
0: know. You were. I think we may be meandering now, but but you, you certainly were. I mean, the things like letters to the editor, opinion articles, commenting on stories on social media, people do those things because they read something, largely, again, we're generalizing here, but, but yeah, generally, there
1: are exceptions. generally those comments there
0: are, exceptions, right. are, have some tone of anger, aggravation, frustration, choose your word. Yeah. They are... The only reason they are posting or writing or responding is because they have a dissatisfaction with what was written originally and
1: or something that happened
0: right? I imagine if you ask them why they're posting it, the answer would be some variation of well because they're wrong right because this is wrong because I disagree well okay that that's fine right you you can disagree you can believe that they're wrong, but what is the utility? of then posting, responding, um, or or sending any type of, of letter. I don't know if people would admit it's because they want them to change their mind or if they would probably say something more along the lines of, other people should hear the other side, right? The audience. Yeah, I and, guess, and I guess there's some utility in that in like some an circumstances.
1: Informational and educational component. Sure.
0: But I think the vast majority <laughs> that is not the goal, and it certainly isn't the result, right? Because the the people that are going to be reading those and absorbing that the most are gonna be people who already have strong opinions on the subject one way or the other.
1: Right. Like I want yeah, right yeah, exactly. I wonder how often someone's comment under an article changes someone else's opinion. Because, you know, I thought about it for me. I was like, I'm reading this stuff getting frustrated. Or it's just reinforcing what I already thought, which isn't helpful either. Uh, you know what I mean? I, okay, either way. It's, and, I, that's, and I finally came to that conclusion. I was like, why am I doing this? This this is not helpful in any respect. Um, and I saw, and I know we kind of avoid politics, since I won't name the I won't name the um, uh, politician, but ran across an ad recently, political ad, that I thought was actually brilliant, and I, I usually don't use politics and brilliance in the same uh, sentence. But this person was saying, I'll be as vague as I can. You can't change people's minds when they hold really entrenched positions. Agreed. Um, and that that goes beyond the political context. I mean, clients or whoever, you know. Sure. You know, you're not going to change minds, and so. The gist of this ad was, "But we can respect. Basically, we can respect each other. You know, I might not agree with my kids, but I can love them. I I control that. I guess what I'm getting at. I control how I feel toward that person, react toward that person. Mm-hmm. I can't control what they think. Sure. Um, and I I thought that ad was just brilliant. I was like, Yeah. Now why can't we make that a thing? Um, that you know, and 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 it's 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 this. It's because I think a lot of the stuff that. Has been hardest on me managing life. Has been um, other people's actions and opinions.
0: Sure.
1: I know we use examples like the weather and traffic, but I can handle it raining on a day I wanted to go do something outdoors. I, I don't know that does that isn't a major life disruption. <laughs> but someone close to you, like they just don't get it.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> oh, know. we both experienced that.
1: Yeah. Uh, they just don't understand. If they if they saw what I saw, they would get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they won't. I mean, not not individually, they might, but writ large. Largely, they won't. not Not going to happen. And so I, I think this is, that's why I like this. I like the dichotomy of control so much is because it's, it finally put words to the root of most of my life frustrations.
0: It's because you were too focused on things you couldn't control. Yeah. And letting them impact you. Right. Yeah
1: both mood and action and now that with this i'm like yeah they're gonna yep
0: and yeah that's gonna happen
1: that's gonna happen they're gonna do that yep people are gonna think that uh-huh <laughs> um even if i disagree you know so anyway, yeah, it's good good wisdom
0: well i think um that rounds out our discussion for today um next week we will move on to the next excerpt in the art of living from the Incaridian. have a great week